Sorry to the best. We are in the second part of the Sikha Vayigash, speaking about um, a really uh, huge question. When you are a Yid dealing with the nations, how should you deal with them? How, how does it all happen? <coughs> should you be subservient? Should you come with a position of strength? How do you, how do, you do it? Um, we know that in the time of Yaakov and Esau, when, when Yaakov was going back to the land of Israel, to Eretz Yisrael, Yaakov present, he was going to meet his brother Esau, and he prepared gifts, and he prepared himself for war, but all, all, those, all those other things. Here we have a, a, a situation of, even before that, Yosef has come down, has been sold into slavery. And he has eventually become the ruler or second in command to Paro, the ruler of Mitzrayim, which means effectively he is the effective ruler of the entire civilized world. Because he's been given that kind of power by Paro. He is determining the fate of the civilized world. His brothers come down to get food because there's a famine. This is Hashem's way of bringing them down to Mitzrayim and bringing all of us down into Mitzrayim, into Egypt, where eventually we become slaves. And when they meet Yosef, they don't know it's him. They believe, they know it's the second in command to Paro. They know this is the ruler of the civilized world. And they're essentially begging him for a favor to have their brother Binyamin back. And they have to come and, and acknowledge that they're speaking to someone who has all that power. Because when we're dealing with somebody who has power, the nations, when they have power, how should we deal with them? And the interesting point is that was brought up in the first part of the Sikha is that Yehuda, the representative of the brothers, the lion, he goes up to them, he goes up to Paro's representative, and he acts with um, tremendous largesse. He's, he, he, he doesn't back down. He, he does two, two opposite things. On the one hand, he's saying to Paro's representative, your mass, I am your servant, and please, and I'm asking you for this. And at the same time, <coughs> Yehuda doesn't back, bow down. He's kicking the marble pillars, and he's the there start, there's a showdown happening between between Yehuda and this ruler of Egypt because of the way the whole scene is happening. And Yehuda does not back down. And as you'll, as if you listen to the first part of the Sikha, it all revolves around, in the end, who ends up having authority over whom? <coughs> so we left off the other day with the question of how we're supposed to act in Gullus, in, in Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim meaning any country that's not Eretz Yisrael. The land that is not our land. Every goal is represented by Mitzrayim. How are we supposed to act? Do we act 
as according to the laws of nature. As much as nature will allow us to do things, or do we go way above the laws of nature? And both are available to us. So in order to know the answer to that, because this really devolves for us on how we're supposed to act when we're confronting um, not an authority that's benevolent, that wants to assist us, because then it would be just ludicrous, ludicrous is a mild word, to annoy a government that wants to help you. You know, if you have a tame horse, I mean, I'm not saying government is a horse, but if you have a tame <laughs> horse and the horse wants to help you, don't kick it. Only the abusive person will come along and kick the tame horse. The horse is on his side. It wants to give him whatever he can. Mm-hmm. Or don't kick it. So, um, <coughs> where, where do... Where do we see an example of how to be? And the example is, we're in Sif Vav. The example is the conduct of Mordechai at the time of Achashverosh. It's very similar to the situation of Yehuda standing in front of the ruler of Egypt. Now, of course, we know that the ruler of Egypt was his brother, but he didn't know that at that point. (coughs) Because At that time of Mordechai HaTzadik, Yidin were under Gullus Paras and Madai, under the Shlita of Achashverosh. It was different from Hanukkah. Hanukkah was during the second base of Migdash. This is, we're talking about a time in between. And by Mordechai, he had a certain conduct. Mordechai does not bow down does not bow down. All the servants of the king are bowing down because that's what the king said to do. Mordechai stands full in full stance and refuses to bow down. And of course the question is, why do you go against the, the command of the king? So here we are. We're at a party. We focus on that scene. We're at a party of Melech HaShverosh. As it says in the Gilles Esther, and how was the party set up? Because this party is really an example of our life. We're at the party all the time. Whom are we looking to please? What was the point of the party? And does that same party still go on now in our life? What was the point of the party? The point of the party was that, um, that the forces of, of unholiness wanted to prove that they had won. <coughs> At a pivotal moment in history, when we were about to accept the Tyra, the forces of unholiness wanted to get their hands on that power to say, we won. Holiness does not win. We stand at the same, at this moment in history, we stand in the same place, wondering who will win, holiness or unholiness. And there's a fight that goes on. So, So um, there was this party, as we said. Achashverosh made this party. And how did he do it? Here it's saying, ish ve'ish. The Gemara says, it was done according to the will of, to satisfy Mordechai and Haman. Now Mordechai and Haman, if there's a party that's created for them to make them happy, you're going to have to split it into two different parties. 
very negative to me. For, for, for months and a couple of years, I struggled with, how do I make my website um, satisfy both this and that? And finally, a couple of days ago, I woke up and said, why don't you just divide it into two websites? Because it's very difficult to satisfy two opposite needs. And here was, leaving behind my website issue, here was a party made by Achashverosh, and he wants to satisfy two opposites. How can you do that? How can you satisfy Mordechai, who wants something kosher, holy, and, and, and um, Haman, who wants something unholy, Mordechai wants something constructive, holy, nurturing, nourishing, and Haman wants the opposite. How do you make a party to satisfy them both? And the interesting thing is we live in a time where we feel like we're always being split in two. You know, do I do this or that? Well, I want to go there. I want to walk over to that place. But on the other hand, I don't want to deal with the wind. Or I want this, but I want that. I think in other generations, we know in other generations, people didn't have to deal as much with the either-ors. There were, there were one, one choice, and you did it, and that's it. Because that's talking about living in the domain of one or two. Do you want this or that? Either-or. And it's always going to be a compromise. There's always going to be somebody unhappy if, you, if you're making a party that's geared to Mordechai, Haman is going to be not happy. If you make a party that's geared to Haman, Mordechai is not going to want to come, and vice versa. So when we live in that either-or situation, we never really come out with much of a peaceful solution. Somehow this party is clearly designed by Hashem, by Achashverosh, to open up, to go outside of the realm of either or. Either or is a big issue for us. It's a big problem. Do I do this or that? And we're never really happy with the solution. The only way we can be at true peace with the solution, you know, this being, hey, Tavis being an extension of Hanukkah, which is an extension of Yudtes Pisleif, which is all about <coughs> peace. My soul was redeemed in peace. To have true peace, you cannot live in the realm of two, either or. So somebody's going to be unhappy. You need to move up to a higher frequency, the place of three. So how do we know? It says in the Medrash, two explanations. Hashem says um, the idea of asking Kirtzayin Ish Ish. In the way of the world, imagine that two people want to marry one woman. Two men want to marry one woman. Well, you can't. Either this one or that one. Same thing with two boats going at night, two ships. <coughs> one wants a north wind, the other wants a south wind. Can the wind blow both northward and southward at the same time? Either that or that. Or tomorrow, two people come before you in a din of Ishihudi and Ishtarvayez. There's a, a question. Whom do you favor? The Ishihudi or his enemy? Can you satisfy them both? So, 
can you go up to, can you lift this up to a higher frequency, the either or to a third frequency? Achashverosh made a mistake. Because it's not Shayach to put two opposites at the same time. Achashverosh made a mistake. He said, it's not Shayach to put two opposites together at the same place. Can you do the Ratan of Mordechai and the Ratan of Haman? <coughs> In the rest of the world, it's either or. For Yidden, for Jews, the center of everything for us is the Kaidish Kedoshim. And there, either or is, so either or is not the way we deal with life there. Over there in the Kaidish Kedoshim is a frequency where two opposites can exist. Or here's one other, one other example. Reb Huna b'shem Reb Yamin ben Levi said, in Eilam Hazeh, in the time when the Ruch Tzvainis is, is, is blowing, the Ruch Tzvainis is not blowing. But in the future, you can't have, essentially, Reb Yamin, in the name of Reb Levi, in the name of Reb Yamin ben Levi, Reb Huna said this, you can't have a north wind and a south wind blowing at the same time. You just can't have that. Okay, in the future you will. Which then, obviously, we can, you know, just thinking about it, clearly we, we're, we're understanding as women, we know. But that means that if we live in a future reality right now, we can be in two opposites at the same time. Um, for women, that seems much more possible. <laughs> right? Right. Um, it's quite right-brained. It's a very right-brained approach. It's quite annoying to left-brained people. <laughs> but it's a, because it's a reality that bring, belongs to the future. And, you know, not everybody really appreciates that kind of reality, ourselves included. And yet, this is the reality of the future. This is the reality of the Kedoshim. Two opposites can coexist beautifully. So, um, when there will be kibbutz kolos, Hashem says, "I will, I will bring two, you know, two different winds." And so this idea of um, I'm just jumping here. Okay, Oops. that means that. Hashem is going to make the world be kirtzayim ish ve'ish. See? We already had the introduction to this, this style. There's going to be a style in which the world functions in Mashiach times. It's called kirtzayim ish ve'ish. Satisfying two opposite, diametric opposites and satisfying them both at the same time. And somehow that not being a contradiction. Great, Right? And we say, yeah, I'll see it when I, I'll believe, <coughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Well, we already saw it. It was introduced as a concept at the party of Achashverosh. And the interesting thing about this party, at least Achashverosh tried to do it, which was kind of strange. But why is this, this party important? This party was at a moment when we were about to, now knowing, looking back, 
receive the Taira in a way that it wasn't Matan Taira, but Kabbalah Taira. A thousand years before, we had Matan Taira. You know a Matana means a gift. Somebody gives you a gift. If you just grab it, then it's called stealing. It's not called a gift. You know, if somebody, God forbid, goes into a store and illegally takes things, that's not called gifts. The owner didn't gift him that stuff. He, he illegally took it. Matan Taira means Hashem gave us the Taira. That's great. It's nice to get a gift. But if I buy you a Ferrari, I don't know, however much it costs, I decide I'm going to buy you a Ferrari. And you actually don't like to drive, do not have a driver's license, never took driving lessons, never intend to, don't feel like dealing with the parking situation. You're not going to get the maximum value out of this gift. You know, so how do you like the Ferrari? Um, Well, pretty. (laughs) You know, um, someone gave me a brand new laptop a few weeks ago. And I, I, I really need it for when I'm traveling or I'm going to a workspace to work. So they asked me, so how do you like the new laptop? I said, well, I didn't take it out of the box yet. I said, yeah, sounds like me. Right? So that, you know, that gift, I didn't take it out of the box yet. I'm not exactly all I wanted. But so we didn't, on some level, when we received the Tyra, that was amazing, Mat and Tyra. But on a, on a different level, the problem was we actually never really quite took it out of the box to use it. It was kind of still sitting in the box, nicely wrapped up a little bit. Relative to the way Hashem wants Tyra to be used by us, it was still since Martin Tyra in the box. And by the way, we're still in that situation. It's still pretty much in the box, you know, we go to Shiram and we give Shiram and we speak words of Tyra, but it remains, relatively speaking, in the box. And how do we know? Um, an example. Once, once, about 10 years ago, I was at a business meeting with a bunch of um, firm women and they were discussing, well, how do we figure out whether to do this, this, and this? And I said, well, in anything in life, for a yid, you see what Tyra says about how to do it. And they looked at me totally perplexed, like, what does Tyra have to do with business? Which means that it means that Tyra is still fairly in the box. It's, you know, there's, when you want to go to a shear, that's nice. But business, you look into Tyra to figure out how to do your business, that's called Tyra is still in a box. So a thousand years after Matan Tyra, Tyra was still in a, a box. What would take it out of the box, relatively speaking? Kabbalah Tyra. Not Matan Tyra, not the giving of the Tyra, the receiving of the Tyra. You know, um, you, you, you go to see the progress of your, you go to track your package on ups.com. It says, let's say you sent it, to your friend in Australia, and it says package received. Oh, she got it. Very different from when I send it. She got it. Did she get the package? You don't know that. No, you. I'm asking you. Okay. Remember you mailed it? Yeah. 
Did Thank she get it? You. Yes. There you she go. Took it apart and she loved it. Right. See? Thank you. So somebody sent a, a package to someone else, but that was not enough. It had to arrive, and the person had to receive it, and she even took it apart mm-hmm. and uses it and loves it. Now, that's a lot of steps beyond just mailing a package. So when Matan Tyra was mailed to us, so to speak, that was good. But a thousand years later, the time came for us to receive this Tyra. And that happened through the story of Purim. Because at Matan Tyra, there was no choice. Not the classical way of Hashem held the mountain over us and said, you better or else. Awfully tough love. But really, the mountain was a mountain of revelation. What, you know, I have here um, a, a $1,000 check, check in one hand, and I have a rotten onion in, or I have a rotten mushroom in the other one. Which one would you prefer? Well, that's a no-brainer. So at Mott and Kyra, that was a no-brainer. What else is there to do except receive the Tyra? It's so luminous. But what about when there are other things that appear quite luminous, like in the story of Hanukkah, the Greek culture looked pretty sparkly. Or even the time of Purim. Achashverosh and his fancy-schmancy party looked pretty sparkly, with the promise of us now being accepted into the country club, looked pretty sparkly. So... Tyra is not the only commodity around that's looking sparkly. There are a few other sparkly choices. Ah, once you have a few other sparkly choices. And at the same time, they, they're trying to take Tyra away from you. Anyway, you have other sparkly choices. Great, this is a good excuse to just go for the other sparkly choices. When we didn't and we said we want Tyra over all the other sparkly choices, that was called Kabbalah Satyra. It's called um, or um, uh, I don't remember the other Lushan, but we, we now began to fulfill what we received a thousand years before and also we now received what we were given a thousand years before so again, so with all of that background now we go back to what's this party all about the party is the pre, pre-game party you know, how does it go in football, the tailgate party? Mm-hmm. So this is a pre, pre-football party bat, you know, party bash. This is the pre-Kabbalah Satyra party. And it's obviously going to parallel the same energy. Because Kabbalah Satyra is a kind of a future thing. It's a Geula thing. It's not just being given Tyra, but receiving it and take opening up the package, using it, and loving it, and not looking back. That's what Kabbalah Satyra is about. That's what we're going to do in Yemais Mashiach. Mamish. Right, Mamish. It will be very, very clear. So, Achashverosh decided that since, unconsciously, he didn't realize that he's standing at a moment in, moment in history which is going to usher in, excuse <coughs> me, a big piece of Geula, he said, well, let's throw a party. Ostensibly, he threw a party to celebrate that there isn't going to be Geula. He threw a party to, he threw a party, I guess Achashverosh is banging on the door for the party. 
He threw a party to celebrate that there isn't going to be a party, that there isn't going to be a geula, God forbid. But really, clearly, he ended up having a party that was a celebration in advance of the fact that there will be a geula. And he was pushing it forward against his will. So if geula is all about receiving the Tyra, opening up the package, putting it, you know, taking it, using it, loving it, Tyra becomes my one and only reality and I love it and I expand it and I help it blossom and I, and I, and I add parts to it and, 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 and I give it life and I breathe life into it and between my life force and Tyra's life force we just create this incredible dance of beauty and wisdom and life. So the party is obviously going to have to reflect some of that same energy the idea of Kabbalah, the idea of Geula. And, as we said, what happens in Geula? Change of frequency, folks, from either or, one, two, two, three. From one, one versus two, do I do one or two? Let's do three. Let's put together two opposites. In Gullus, two opposites. It's either this or that. You can't have both. You can't have your cake and eat it too. This is a standard Gullah theme. You can't have your cake and eat it too. In Geula, that's everything about Geula. Of course you have your cake and eat it too. Whoever made up that expression is just weird. <laughs> Why they pick cake? You can't have your cake and eat it too. So then keep it in the kitchen. What do I need a piece of cake sitting in front of me annoying me for? <laughs> I can't eat the cake. But in Gullus, you can't have your cake and eat it too. In Geula, of course you have your cake and you eat it too. So, um, so that's why on some subconscious level, Haman is trying to make a party which is on the frequency of three. He can satisfy two, opposite, two opposites. And he doesn't realize that he can't in Gullus. And yet he's giving us a peek into the future of where this will take Yidden. So, when you're looking at the way of the world and the way the Abishter puts himself into nature, Shem Elohim, you cannot do Kirtan Ish Ish. You cannot satisfy two opposites. You can't satisfy both Mordechai and Haman because they are two opposites. We'll see in a second what Mordechai wants and what Haman wants. But when you're speaking about the Abishter as he's higher than nature, as it will be in Geula, then you can have these two opposites at the same time coexisting. And that's the difference between the two, the explanations in the Gemara, the examples in the Gemara and the one in the Medrash. <coughs> one is speaking about the way of the world. In the way of the world, it's either or. The other one is speaking about, excuse me, the future. The Gemara, it shows that Lasai is Kirtan Ish Ish. So the old way, the Gullus way is 
two opposites coexist. You can either do one or the other, and Geula puts the both two together. So what is this all about? Achashverosh in the source in Kedusha means Hashem. And so, and that's the way the king made it happen. So we're not only talking about Achashverosh, Hashem the king at that moment, pre-Kabbalah Satira, at that moment, Hashem is upgrading the frequency. So a person has choice. You want to do it Mordechai's way or you want to do it Haman's way. Everybody's given permission to either do it that, the right way to make a mistake and do it the wrong way. But that is about the etimetzias of Ritzayim Ish Ish. When you're talking about the need to choose A or B. I have to choose. Do I want A or B? But to to be yaiti, to do both, how can I make? In other words, for me to choose is one thing. But for me to be able to create a setup, a party, a gathering, a paula, a something, a shear that satisfies two different types, how do you do it? You can't. Because what does Mordechai want? Kedusha. What does Haman want? The opposite. And so, which one do you want? Or, why is it impossible in Gullahs to do Kirtza and Ish Because you can't have both. They're two opposites. The way of Mordechai is very simple. What is his, his statement? What is his main, what is his signature statement? Mordechai's signature statement that he uses forever. I do not bow down. That's Mordechai. I do not bow down. Dot com. <laughs> dot com. I do not bow down. Dot com. And Chazal say, that's why he was called Yehudi. He was covered by Vaidazara. He denied a Vaidazara. Whoever denies a Vaidazara is called a Yehudi. And therefore, every Yid is called a Yehudi. Because Yiddishkeit means that he denies a Vaidazara. He won't bow down. That's Mordechai. We know, what is a Vaidazara? Not necessarily bowing to idols, but rather a Vaidashazara, something that it's not your style, it's not on your level. It's below your level. It's just not for you. It just doesn't fit a Jew. Because the whole union of a Jew is to do the will of our Father in Heaven. Since I was, I'm being created every single second, we understand that every detail of Ravida has to be for one only purpose. I was only created to, I was not created other than to serve my Maker. So if I'm here and I'm wandering around the world and not serving my Maker, then what am I doing? Everything. Everything we do, not only we do for the sake of heaven, but everything becomes, um, if there's something outside of it, uh, or to know Hashem in all our ways, and if there's anything that's outside of that category, it's called Avaidah That means it's, it's an Avaidah that just doesn't fit us. 
and De'ehu, fit us in what? We are here to get to know Hashem. So this way of getting there just doesn't fit us. That's a Vaita So that is what Mordechai was all about. I will not bow down. I will not put myself in, this, in the place of anything in the world, even something that's allowed al pishol Shulchan I will not put myself, if I am Mordechai, into the place of anything in the world that, does, that causes me to compromise. Because anything which is not a Vaita Hashem is a Vaita Shazarla, an Vaita that's foreign to him. Of course, we know that since life is complex, sometimes, you know, we can be around people or in situations where the most firm thing to do would be A, B, C, and yet we see from Maishra that the most holy thing to do at the end of the whole Chumash, when he was on the on Tammuz, on the 17th of Tammuz, when he came down from Harsinai after 17 days, the most holy thing to do would be to preserve the Tyra. And of course, uh, the Tyra was, the tablets, the Luchites were broken for us. So that's not, so in other words, even Maish Rabbeinu put aside the most machmer thing that he could do and should do, and he favored us over them. So life is complex, right? So life is complex. <coughs> so it's not so simple. Alpi Shulchan yes, no. What is the Haman way? What is the Mordechai way? It's not black and white. It's not black and white at all. Okay. But Haman, his way is the Vaidazara, which means um, it's not, you know, classical Vaidazara necessarily, but any Avaita that doesn't fit you. If it's not Avaita Hashem, it's not for you. Haman's complaint was he says, listen, we live in a world, in Gullis, and we're under the laws of nature and uh, that the Abishter actually created. And therefore, you know, you've got to bend to the rules of the world. You've got to bend to the rules of the world. So it comes out, and somehow this is the most important paragraph. So it comes out, so let's pay attention now. This is ding, 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 here's the revolution. <coughs> So, it comes out that to do with the way of Mordechai and Haman is obviously a contradiction. When a Yid finds himself in Oilam Haza and in Gullus, where there are lots of limitations because of nature, you need money, you need the, the, the circumstances, you need people, you need people on board, you need help, you need this, you need that, you need support, all of that. Thank you. You need oh, so you can't in such a world do kirtan ish because the will of Mordechai is to not bow down, and the will of Haman is to yes, get us to bow down. The will of Mordechai is don't let the world rule you; you will rule the world. And the and the way of Haman is the opposite. Haman says, "Come on, let's face reality." The big world, you're a small Jew. Face reality. And so everything, it turns out that Mordechai's way says that everything that's outside of Avaita Hashem 
is called the Vaidazara by him. And so we're not even talking we're not only talking about the actual deeds of Haman, but the whole way that Haman teaches us to look at the world. The entire way that Haman teaches us, wants us to look at the world, which is, what is his way? What is Haman's signature statement? It's a big world. You're a small person. Don't fool yourself. Don't aggrandize yourself. Give in to the limitations of the world and don't be bigger, don't be too big for your boots. Very classical statement that we were all brought up with in the 50s, let's say. Implied. Right? Very, very classical implied statement, which interestingly, that decade of the 50s with, you know, you're too big for your boots and, and, and stop dreaming so much. Then and, and all these 50s kids, these baby boomers, were being confused because somehow they felt that they could fly. You know, when was the space, when, when did they fly to the moon? Maybe in the 50s? 57. In 57. Oh, so, okay, so if they already flew to the moon, so all these baby boomers thought they can fly too. And their parents, with their parents, that didn't fly. <laughs> and then came along the 60s. And then, and then the same group said, well, guess what? We're going to fly. Mm-hmm. We're going to fly. So it was a complete turnaround. So because this idea of Haman saying, come on, it's a very big world with very fixed rules. In the world of science, it's called Newtonian physics, the t- Newtonian approach which means there are fixed laws. If you're a human being, you have arms and legs and eyebrows and eyelashes and a brain. It's pretty static. It's not, it doesn't change much. Uh, your brain grows to a certain size and a certain level of maturity, and that's it. You had certain experiences, and that's it. It's very fixed. It's very defined. It doesn't change. It's not plastic. That's the Newtonian model, very popular in the 50s. Came along, I don't know when, in the 80s, the quantum model. After the 60s, just turned everything upside down. And the quantum model said, it's all plastic. It's all malleable. Plus, plus. Now we're way beyond that. So, excuse me, Haman, his philosophy that worked well in the 50s, um, is out of style now. And especially for a Yid, it means that we're, um, it's, it's an invite Zara for us to believe that you're a small person and it's a big world and don't think you can do those kinds of things. This is actually called a Vaita Zara for a Yid. Hmm. Just holding yourself small because you, you have bought into the idea that it's a very big world and they're more powerful than you and who do you think you are that is a Vaidazara for a Yid. That's mm. Haman's way. Mm. The famous story that somebody told that two older women bought themselves some cheap tickets and flew to Washington and they went and knocked on senators' doors. Just two, two ladies, plain ladies from, you know, Iowa or something. 
and they expressed different concerns about what was going on in their city and their community and country at large, and they were able to bring about reforms in a way that the big shots weren't. And today, of course, everybody has a global reach. If your video, your blog, whatever it is, goes viral, that's it. And everyone has an equal opportunity for their video and their statement to go viral. So we have today the possibility of breaking through the limitations of the world. You can be a, you can be a child of eight years old living in Boise, is it Iowa or Idaho? Idaho, Boise, Idaho. You have to be American to know that. You can be an eight-year-old child, Boise, Idaho, little kind of town, and your video can go viral, and it's happening all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, or the story, the, what we saw a few years ago, uh, a boy, I think also 10 years old, something like that, every Sunday would go sit himself down for two hours in the subway station in New York with two chairs and a little table and a sign saying, you know, um, psychological advice. And he would, he, 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 conduct, he had his office, office hours for two hours. His parents would sit there, you know, they would sit at the side and they would, you know, keep I guess just be there him. to keep an eye on him. And you see all these people, older people, sitting down and saying, thank you so much. Yeah, I really do need to talk. And this child was very wise. So, you know, let's say you see that woman comes and says, you know, my sister is just, you know, she's always nasty to me and and I don't know what to do. And so, um, and he's saying, well, maybe you would want to try this. He's pretty wise, this kid. And he has, you know, you're supposed to have a PhD to do that. It takes 10 years to get a PhD. It takes he doesn't have a PhD. You know, he just opens an office. Opens a, and I think maybe they pay him $2. <laughs> and he's having this influence. So a human comes along and says, nonsense. It, it can't work. It's never going to work. And Mordechai comes along, Lahabdol, and says, well, um, you know the can't work that you're talking about? Well, just go online and watch all the videos of that child sitting there and doing what he's doing. <laughs> so you can... So, Haman, you can, it can't work all the way to the bank, but I'm here to prove to you that not only can it work, it already has worked. So you're way behind. So that's really the nakuda that's being brought out at this Purim Suda, the original Purim Suda of Ahasuerus, pre-Kabbalah Satira, which is essentially pre-Geula, dealing with this question. So, and the Chiddush is that when we're connected with Hashem as he is higher than nature, then we have the ability to put together two opposites. Because on the level of Atmos, Atmos is, Atmos is a place where opposites coexist beautifully. That's the, that in the essence of Hashem, in the essence of Tyre, in the essence of a Yid, and the essence of truth in that energy space, opposite, two opposites coexist, that's just what they do over there. The order of the day is in Atmos, opposites coexist. 
everything becomes possible. If you, so to speak, imagine if we had an Atmos club mm-hmm. where everybody's trying to live on the level of Atmos. And so we meet every Wednesday at 10 a.m. And, and so mm-hmm. we get together, and so the first, we go around and people speak, and one person says, I don't know, I just don't feel like it's going to work. Well, what are you doing in this group? <laughs> this is not a group to talk about how it's not mm-hmm. possible. I think you probably, you, you, I think you Maybe ended up in the wrong group. <laughs> wrong term. <laughs> right, I think, I think it's next door. They have a room in this office building next door where they're here to complain about how life doesn't work and can't work. This, you, you, that was room three, three, six, 306. This is room 308. <laughs> you just made a mistake. You went to the wrong room. Because in Osmos, all opposites coexist, which would mean effectively that when we're in Gullus, there should be lo yichra When we're in Gullus, the net effect means you don't have to bow down to the limitations that other people put on you. That's what Mordecai says. If you remain in Gullus, but higher than Gullus, you can be in Gullus with your feet planted, planted in Gullus, firmly in Gullus. Maybe that's why everybody feels so dizzy these days, <laughs> because we're no longer firmly planted in Gullus. So, you know, seriously. Yeah. So you feel off. Mm-hmm. Feel off. Mm-hmm. Everything's transitioning up. So we can be, though, firmly planted in Gullus, because the, how do we know that? Because that party of Achashverosh, that was about as gullistic as you get. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was designed to uh, be done with us, get rid of us. It was designed to celebrate the fact that there won't be the Ula, God forbid. That's called gullist. So being in that party, that truth that you can be above the gullist, just, just, just take that stance of, what do you mean? Why should I believe in limitations? I don't bow down to any limitations. That was, that was brought out. So now, um, just a sec. Okay, so now we'll understand the words of the Medrash because these two explanations in the Medrash um, kind of tell us um, where we're up to in Gullus and how we're supposed to do things while we're still in these last minutes of Gullus. Because the fact that Hashem sent us into this world, and here we are, and, w- and inside this world, even deeper in Gullus, and even deeper than that, under the jurisdiction, the rulership of Achashverosh, I mean, after all, you, you know, we're still under a non-Jewish government, etc. so far. And we have to, Dina de Malchusadina, we have to follow the law of the land. Therefore, with all of that, we're in this world, and within that, we're in Gullus, and within that, we have a, a non-Jewish government, and we, we don't have self-government, etc., etc., etc. And we see today that it gets darker and darker, God forbid, and the people that used to just do their own thing are now uh, noticing us in an unpleasant way and we don't want them 
to bother us and they better stop now. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, and we have to follow the law of the land. We can think, Haman's way, that in things of the world, not stuff connected to mitzvahs, things of the world, you can't do two opposites. In Golas now, we could think, okay, in Tyre mitzvahs, you know, you have to be very, you know, atmosphic, and so everything becomes possible. You know, you can put on chillin', you can do this, you can do that, you don't have to worry. But we think that when you're inside the world, over there in the world, you know, you still have to deal with the reality that there are two opposites. And don't think you can, you can do two opposite things in the same, same time. And yet, and, and, and here we are in Golis. And yet, what we're learning from this story is that even when we're in Golis and we're doing everyday worldly things, going to the bank, whatever it is, we can and should have a posture of I do not bow down to the ways of the world. I do not bow down to the ways of the world. I know somebody who, he said, uh, my wife is very cute. When she gets new appliances like a stove, a refrigerator, an oven, this and that, she doesn't really have time to read the manual. She just tells it how to work. You know, I will press this button and you will work. (laughs) So she just tells it how to work. So because when we are in the world, if the Abishter has sent us into Gullus, it means that there is some, there are some natural laws over here. There are some la- laws of the land. You know, alternate side of the street of the parking, alternate side of the street parking is real. And if you don't care about it, you do get tickets. You get a lot of tickets. And I have a story which I'm not going to tell now about somebody who went to court because he had a lot of parking tickets. So the fact is, here we are, we live in Gullis on some level, and we have these limitations, and I can't just leave my car on one side of the street because I will get a lot of tickets. How long can you, you know, be under the radar? So if Hashem sent us into this situation, and the, the, the parking regulations are, these are the limitations of this world. That's like common, like, come on. What do you think? You're in, the, you're in Gula. Uh, you want to see that you're not in Gula? Just leave your car on, on, just leave your car parked where it is for the next two weeks. And then I'll prove to you you're not in Gula. That's, what, that's basically what Haman is saying. And yet when we find ourselves in Gullus, if we say, I'm going to do it Mordechai's way, I don't bow down, then can you, in other words, can you take a posture of, I don't, don't buy down to the, bow down to the laws of, 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 of nature and at the same time be in the laws of nature? In other words, what do I do about my car? <laughs> do I move it from one side of the street to the other or do I not? Can I be observing the laws of alternate side of the street parking, but at the same time I am not in any way under their jurisdiction. I'm a free person. I choose to follow the laws. There are many reasons why I would choose to follow the laws. Number one, it is expensive. You know, Rabbi Gerariel of the Shalom, people, he used to say, I don't know why people complain about parking outside of 770. Because he would go to park his car outside of 770 at 10 in the morning, before 10 in the morning, for the minion. 
And he would say, I don't know why people complain there is no parking by 770. There's plenty of parking. There's cheaper parking and there's more expensive parking. (laughs) So why would I do it? Why should I waste so much money on parking tickets, plus, plus, et cetera? And why should I encourage everybody else? It will just create chaos in the city. You know, why do I have to, you know, make trouble where trouble doesn't have to be made? Does that mean that I am now a gullless Jew because I am moving my car from one side of the street to the other? That's the question. And it's not so much what I do, but Haman says, you see, you see, you see, I told you, I told you, they're in charge, not you. And Mordechai is saying, no, 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 I'm in charge, not them. Uh, okay, I choose to move my co- I choose to, to follow these rules. So when we're talking about the obligations that a Yid has when he's doing mitzvahs, al-pishulchan aruch, so it's obvious that no one can, um, no one really has shlita over us. I mean, you can't compare the realm of Torah mitzvahs to, you know, the realm of the world. So over there in Torah mitzvahs, you can't do it Haman's way. Come on. I mean, this is Torah mitzvahs. We, we dealt with that one already since Mephsayim have come into the world in, in the 60s, that, one's been, that one became a no-brainer. I mean, you don't not put on tefillin because somebody might be upset, let's say, or something like that. Right? that in Torah Mitzvah, it, it, it's clear. We do it Mordechai's way. Um, but, but how can you do it Haman's way according to the limitations of nature, the minhag of the place, um, and also Mordechai's way, not bow down. How do you do that? How do you respect the laws of the land and at the same time not bow down to the laws of the land? It's a lot of juggling. Right. A lot of it. It requires having a different mindset, clearly. Of course. So, and here in a second we're going to see something really unbelievable on this page. The Medrash says, this idea of, you know, kirtan ish ish, when we're talking about the way of the world, a yid, um, we're talking about Hashem as he's, when, when Hashem is, we're talking about Hashem higher than the world, that a yid should act in the world and in Gullus and together with this, you should be, in other words, put yourself in nature. Don't go to a mountaintop in Tzfas for the rest of your life. <laughs> Stay in New York, Boise, Idaho, whatever it is, and at the same time, remain higher than the Gullus. Be in Gullus with your mindset higher than Gullus. You're not bowing, bowing down in your mind which doesn't mean you have to, on purpose, leave your car on the wrong side of the street. Um, (coughs) And what happens when we do that, that kind of combination? Then we affect that the king of the nations, we end up having a power, a rulership over the king of the nations. We affect the rulers of the world when we do it this way. We live in their world, but we don't bow down to the limitations of their world. And it's a, it's a, a complex way to do it. 
we end up affecting them. <coughs> and that's why, <coughs> excuse me, the Gemara says, last place, Kirtan Ish Ish. Because the fact that Mordechai Yehudi stood with total bittle to Hashem, right? What does that mean? Mordechai says, I don't bow down. I do bow down. It's an incorrect statement. I don't bow down to anyone but Hashem. Haman says, bow down to me. And Mordechai says, never. And Haman says, and, and bow down to me again. And Mordechai says, never. I bow only to Hashem, Hashem Elohim. And I'm proud to be a Yid. So it's not that Mordechai doesn't bow to anybody. He bows to Hashem. He's mavatu himself to Hashem. Through this, it's, he is with a total bittle to Hashem, and he denies of Zara. That connects him with the strength of the Abishter, of Hashem, higher than the world. Not bowing down to anything other than Hashem gives the Yid tremendous power. Tremendous power. It connects him with the power of Hashem <coughs> higher than the world. Ah, once you're connected with that power higher than the world, that's a place where all the miracles happen. And then that gives him the kayak to be in Gullah's Paras under Achashverosh with the whole shlemus of not bowing down. And it has an effect on the bittel it has an effect on the king. So eventually, uh, the, there's a gezerah that Haman put into place to annihilate us, God forbid, and it just melts. It just evaporates. And Mordechai becomes Mishnah Lamelech. How does Mordechai become the second in command of the king? Just like at the time of Yosef Tzadik became second in command of the king. How does it happen? By not bowing down to the limitations of the world. It's a very subtle concept, but by not bowing down, it actually ends up undoing the evil decrees. <coughs> Can we do that? Says the Rebbe, Hashem gives this over to the will of a Jew. If you want, you can live like that, and be that too. You can be a Mordechai as well. Well, what would I need to do? I would need to want it a lot. That I can be in Gullus, and I can stand higher than, than the Gullus. The line is cut off here, so I don't know what it says. Um, I can stand with a power, with a strength, not only as much as is needed to do Taramitsas, but in all other things of the world, I can stand with the power. Um, in everything, either I act Tirzayn Mordechai, meaning that for me, everything will be higher than the world and higher than Gullus. That's Mordechai's way. Be in the world, but be higher than the world because you're connected with Hashem. That's Mordechai's way. Um, 
or the opposite, be in the world and let the world determine what we have to do and drag us down. So how realistic is this? And here, one, two, three, four, five, five words that create a revolution. The words are, on this question, could I do that? The aim, hadavar, totally, ella, Sinai. And the, this choice, whether to be above the world or in the world, depends on nothing other than your will. This ability to do it depends on nothing other than your will. True, says the Rebbe, there is a difference in the generations because most of the generations wanting it was not enough. They wouldn't let you. It was quite difficult to do it. People could do it, but they didn't actually live to tell the tale. There were tremendous gazeras that did not let Yidden stand above Gullus too much. They could, but they, were, they usually died al-Kiddush Hashem as they were standing up against the limitations of the world. Which is not the case in this generation, is Dostoli Nur. Now, we do not have that. It depends on nothing other than the Ratan of a Yid, the desire of a Yid. So, again, the Rebbe is saying, in other generations, you try to do this and, uh, you know, chop down. So it was possible, but it wasn't possible to remain in the world after that most of the time. Now that's done. That one's over. Now the only thing that stands in, our, in way, the way of us actually living that way is our will. <coughs> so now we understand. Now that's the revolution, that the Nasi Adar should be able to be, be told by Hashem and given permission to come along and say, we have come to a moment now, Parshas Vayigash, in this scenario where we're watching in the Parsha, that Yehuda is acting with real chutzpah to the ruler of the civilized world. And he seems to be one little guy, although he's Yehuda, the lion. When we're looking at this scene, it's telling us something about what, who we are and what we're able to be today. The ability to, to do things like Yehuda, stand with absolute broadness and power, and at the same time do it smart, Smart, savvy, you know, politically savvy, socially savvy, but do it above the limitations of the world. This is 100% possible. The only limitation is your will. Mm-hmm. And obviously your belief that these words are true. So we know that the words are true, but the only thing that stands in the, in the way is our will. How do I know? I'm just reading the words. Nothing stands in a dover totally elaborate So now we understand there is Yehuda approaching Yosef. Again, he doesn't know that it's Yosef. He thinks it's the ruler of the world. Only later is he going to find out that this ruler of the world actually is his brother. Which, interesting, when he approaches in this way, the enemy melts into a brother. The enemy disintegrates in front of his eyes and from the same shoes where the enemy was standing in, and being so frightening, what, what, what emerges from those, standing in those shoes? A brother, 
and love. The enemy turns into a brother. That's because Yehuda did what he did. So, even though Yaisif Atadik was the ruler over the land, and that shows um, when a Yid is a Balabayas on the world and over the Gaim around him, then you have two possibilities. Um, who made Yaisif the second in command? Paro. Who made Yaisif the ruler of the world? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Paro did. You know, political favors. Listen, Yaisif, don't hold too big from, from yourself. Don't, don't think you're that powerful because you were put in place by Paro, after all, and you can be taken out of your position by Paro. He runs your fate. He determines your fate. So the laws of nature determine your fate. That's one possibility. The other possibility is um, after, that after um, Yosef was appointed in this position, and only the, the throne of Paro was about, was, had more authority than his, now, that it shows that on some very subtle level, Yaisif is a little bit connected to the limitations of the world in Mitzrayim. But after that, once he has been appointed, then... Oops. I don't know. Okay. So right. That once Yosef is appointed, now he has a power of his own. Not his own, Hashem's power. He's a little bit connected because he's a little bit connected to, to, to Paro and the limitations of nature, but essentially he is being fed power. You know, it's like the concept of um, how are we all going to become, live forever, and how are we going to have perfect health? Um, raise your hand if you feel perfectly healthy. You know, maybe if you're 14 years old or something. Even not. Right. So how are we going to switch to perfect health? Very simple. Right now, we're feeding our bodies and our health from the Nefesh of Bahamas, which is very tied to the limitations of the world. If we switch over, and it's not a, it's not a simple thing to do, but let's say when we will switch over to feeding our bodies from the frequency of the neshama, which is the frequency of atmos, because it's one with Hashem, we're going to live forever and have perfect health. It's simply, in other words, at this point, what the Rebbe is saying is, if we are struggling, it's because we have the cord to our computer plugged into the wrong outlet. We have it plugged into the wrong outlet. That outlet it barely works anymore. You know, there's hardly any juice connected to that outlet. Just unplug it and plug it into. We had the electrician come and he gave us a whole new type of electricity that doesn't work with the old system. And so whatever it was, that was 110, 220, or a whole new, a whole new way of doing it. Hmm? 770. <laughs> so unplug when we are able to and willing to unplug our computers from the old outlet, which is getting weaker and weaker every day. The, the outlet is barely working. Once in a while, you have to shake it, and you have to hold it, and you have to tape it, and, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. There's various flickers on and off. 
It's just an old, bad outlet. Just dump it and plug it into the new outlet. Then it's a whole different thing. So that's what the Rebbe is telling us. Our old health was dependent on the limitations of nature. Well, that one isn't going to work. Well, then get used to just feeling worse all the time. Right? Get used to it because according to the limitations of nature, uh, the old gray mare, she ain't what she used to be. <laughs> but according to the frequency of Asmus, which is the frequency of the Neshama, which is one with, with Melech Malchim Lachim HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's infinite life, infinite health, just infinite energy, infinite... It's, it's just coming from a different frequency. You know, it's like in the early days of the car, the people who couldn't get used to the car, they, they, they always figured there's got to be some place where you put some straw in the car over there, just like you did, you know, to feed the horse some straw. Or go figure out how the cell phone is almost exactly the same as the landline, just a little bit more. It's not. It's a totally different frequency. This is a totally different frequency. So that seems to be what the Rebbe tells us. When we, w- w- the way we will le- live forever and can live forever now is by feeding, by connecting, plugging in the, um, the electric cord, the source of power to our health, uh, of our health to the neshama rather than to the nefesh of Bahamas, which is not a simple thing to do. Yeah. It's not a simple thing to do. But... There's an infinite difference between impossible and not easy. So if we can figure out, and there are moments when we do, when we're in the middle of learning, we feel like in those moments we're feeding ourselves from the neshama, and we feel the life force coursing through us. And then there are moments when we feel like we're plugged into the old outlet. So that's the task to figure out through learning Tyra how to plug into the new outlet. Partly it's by living in that present moment, which is a place of infinite possibilities, and letting go of um, connection to the limitations of the past. It's partly through stepping into a brand new moment in a brand new moment without any stories left over from the past. You know, well, Mm -hmm. I always, they, you know, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But just walking into a fresh new moment every single second and never looking back. With what? House cleaning. House cleaning. And so in that present fresh moment, that's the new frequency. Then there's eternal life. Mm-hmm. As the Rebbe says, the offer my soul should be as dust. It doesn't just mean that everybody treats you like a shamata and abuses you. It just means that I'm some, it means being completely in a flow with the brand new opportunities that are coming into every brand new moment which, you know, is not a simple thing to do, but it's exciting to try it. So here we're coming to a conclusion, more or less. And, and, and here's what the Rebbe is saying. The strength of Ayiga Shalab Yehuda, <coughs> the strength of Yehuda approaching the ruler was this, that... Um, he went to Yosef, he went up to the ruler, Yehuda went up to the ruler, kind of without asking permission. He didn't, really, he didn't really ask permission. And that had an effect. Um, when, when the ruler saw it, 
and it turns out that the ruler was Yosef, he just broke in pieces. He couldn't play the p- part of the enemy anymore. He just, he just couldn't do it. That means, remember, Yosef was given a part by Hashem. He wasn't trying to be nasty. He was given a part by Hashem to not reveal to his brothers that he's really the brother. He had to play the part of the ruler, the nasty, mean, scary ruler. But here they're at the saying, when Yosef, when Yehuda went up to him with a, 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 a taikaf, with a power, it just melted the external garments of Yosef. And, and his truth came out. Meaning he said, I'm your brother. Which means that today in the world, every single nation, member of the nations of the world, every single non-Jew who may think that, God forbid, they don't like us, on a deeper level, they want to help us. That's why they were created. That's why they were created. They want to help us. Mm-hmm. And we have to help them mm-hmm. help us. Because we need them not to work against us. And we need to go to Geula. So um, the, the strength that, that Yehuda used was he didn't deal with the limitations of that country. He just didn't deal with it. He, he, essentially, there was a union of two opposites. At that moment, Yehuda knew that he has to come to Yosef and speak nicely. He has to be politically savvy the way he does it because he wants his brother, Binyamin, to be freed. So Yoda has to do it with a sophisticated, politically savvy way. And that's why he said, Kamaycha Kaparo, you're like Paro, to the leader. He gave him covid, And he said, you can fulfill my request. And at the same time, Yehuda pushed away any possibility that... Um, um, Yehuda acted with complete strength as if he's not asking for a favor he's really asking for a big favor he's standing in front of the ruler of the civilized world his brother is in captivity he wants them to release his brother he needs a favor and yet, he, he does these two opposites. He, he's, on one level, he acknowledges, I understand who you are, and he's politically savvy. And at the same time, he acts with a break kite. And that is why, with a type of foot strength, after Yehuda approaches the ruler, since he did that then, 3,000 years ago, we have his kayach with his help, to be able to, and the Yidden got his kayach, to sit, to settle into Eretz Mitzrayim, in Eretz Kaishan, and have the best of the land. They got all the goodies of the land. We came into Galus, and Yehuda stood up with a, a strength, and said, we're not here to bow to the laws of nature, to the limitations of nature, sorry. And, 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 the Mitzrim gave us the best stuff that they had reserved for themselves. They gave it to us. 
They gave it to us. So for us, we are now in the same position. Even though we find ourselves in Mitzrayim, and from the word Mitzarmin Vulim, under the Malchus of Paro, and yet we can, we can settle down true yeshiva, we can have the world for ourselves, called shlichus. We can conquer the world for Hashem. And we should. <coughs> we, we get the best of the land. The world is then given into our hands. We need to take it. Because it's not for us, it's for Hashem. And everybody who is holding on to those parts of the world ultimately will be thankful that we gave it to Hashem so that they then have a place in this world, a holy place. So it shows that and the Chizabatekev, that when we were given this land of Goshen, we now became Balabatan over Mitzrayim. And we multiplied. And that brings Vayichi Yaakov Eretz Mitzrayim 17 years. And he had a good life. So now, we understand. 23. Okay. So now we understand. <coughs> what does Vayigash Allah Yehuda have to do with who is the David Abdi Nazarlehem La'ilam in the Haftira between Yosef and Yehuda? Who ends up being the ruler? Is it Yosef or Yehuda? So when Yehuda approaches Yosef, then what? Yehuda is from the word Haida, and Yosef is from expansion. So it's a preparation that gives the Kayaf to bring the Gula. When you'll have the full Shlemus in the whole world of David HaMelech will be the king. Connected with the Taik of Hashem, the strength of Hashem, that has the ability to achieve to put, Hashem has the ability to put two opposites together. That's Geula. He gives us that ability here and now. And what does that achieve? That the Gayim understand who Hashem really is. As the Ramam says, that Melech Mashiach will fight the wars of Hashem and he will trans- transform the whole, in, the, the whole world to one clear language. So the Kayach, to reveal this, that David Amelech becomes the king forever. That's the mile of Yehuda. It comes from that scene where Yehuda approaches the ruler. Where Yehuda approaches Yaisa. Yehuda receives the hashpa from Yaisa. And through this is revealed the mile of Yehuda, the David Abdi Like putting together Gaul and Tfila, etc. Yosef is Yisaid, and, and, and David is Malchus, etc. Yisaid and Malchus. <coughs> so what is this for us? What exactly is this for us? And how does it connect to Hey Tavis? Um, our generation. We're right before the Geula. So looking at this... Oh. 92,000 wow. attendees right over here in New Jersey. Wow. The global scene of Shas, wow. So now we'll know the Limud. What is this for us in our generation? Not looking at the strength of Yehuda in his time and the strength of Mordechai in his time 
and the strength of tzaddikim in their generations. But in all generations, there were limitations. The non-Jews, their gzeras, different rules, different very frightening gzeras, chas shalom, that did not always allow us to act with balabatishkeit rulership over the limitations of the world. Even though Yehuda did it, Mordechai Yitzhak did it, but, and Tzadikim did it, nobody else could really do it. But in our generation, we see the pile. But there are no bilbulim, no confusions like there were before. And the nations allow us to do the way we want. And therefore, ain hadavar toli ela birtsainim of a yid. The, the whole thing depends on nothing other than the will of a yid. To do what? to settle down in this world and multiply and be fruitful and take over. It depends on nothing other than our will, as it already is in many different places. In this country, in the United States, Amalchus of Chesed, where we can do what we want, and recently, in the countries, let's say, in the Soviet Union, that was such a long time ago, where everything changed so quickly in this time when the Sikha is being said, not only are we will, free to do what we want, but the governments want to help us with that. That is a complete 100% change. And therefore, and so it becomes easier and easier and easier in re- recent generations to take over, to settle in and, and establish ourselves in a way of mashpim, um, for Hashem, spokesman for Hashem and for Kedusha in the whole world. Because the world, not only the Yidin, the Gayim, are a keli for taking in the inyanim of Yiddishkeit, of Matari Mitzvah. And about the Gayim, they're a kalim for Sheva Mitzvah B'nai And as we said, the Haidav, the Friedrich Rebbe, that we've finished all the preparations, and now all we have to do is bring the Geula B'payal into Gashmis and Chumrius of the world, Chumrius that's made into Gashmas, in a way that everybody will see it. Because not looking at the strength of the Avaita of Yidin in Gullus, and even in Gullus, in a situation of Geula Ruchnius, let's say we're in Gullus, and we have a Geula Ruchnius. We're sitting and learning a Sicha, and we feel Geula Ruchnius. But it's the Shlemus as much as of, of Gula Papashis. Um, still, when we're here, it's not the Shlemus of the Geula. We're not there 100% yet in this physical world. We don't have full ge'ula in this physical world with all of the ways that ge'ula works. And so we are still in a way, we're waiting for Hashem to come and mar- you know, have the marriage with us, the willa mitzvah shlema. And so all we have to do now is, is take a pencil and mark this page, this paragraph. All we have to do now is open our eyes and we will see that the whole world demands that a Yid should stand in a situation higher than Gu, uh, in a higher situation, that the whole world demands that a, a that the Yidin should stand in a Geula stance. So now we understand what Rabbi Jacobson used to say, I don't know if he says it now, but the Gaim used to hate us. When we said Esav Yaakov, Esav Sainas Yaakov, Esav hates us. But why did he hate us? 
because he couldn't stand that we're this, these representatives of, of, of goodness and morality with our Tyra. But now it's a different resentment and it's a different ugliness. They expect us to be living Geuladik. And they don't like when we're not. And so here the Rebbe is saying, we will see that the whole world demands that a Yid should stand in a Geuladik way of life. Mm-hmm. The world is demanding that we be Geuladik. This is one of the biggest examples. Well, we see in the shot, watching. Ninety two nine ninety two thousand people wow. in their MetLife Stadium in New Jersey wow. with security as if it were presidential. Wow. Every no I'm not military, every police, every la 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 they're all there. And why are they doing it t- today? They it just it was planned or is it because of the stuff that's been it, happening? It, no, it, it it doesn't say why. It, it says <laughs> Okay. It says that, that, that so uh, see now, this is exactly. So let's do the live stream. Sure. We we'll just leave the sound off for a minute. We're, anyway, we're done here. So, therefore, this is the reason why we see today that Yidden can be in, in Yanam of Yidden. We can be in Jewish things with full power and full Batishkeit over the Gayim. Vain Hadavar Tali Elabertsainam. And it depends on nothing other than our will. Because we are standing just before the Geula, when it will be revealed, the the Avdi David the King of the World, will be David Malkam and as a result of that, then the Gaim will know that I am Avaya, and therefore it expresses itself in the situation of our generation as a preparation that brings us close to the right away to the Gula through Mashiach and it's hinted at this encounter, this scene of Yehuda approaching Yosef. Because together with the help of the Avaida of Yosef in our generation, the Friedrich Rebbe, Yehuda is able to do what he does and, and, uh, and, uh, and acquire for his family rulership over the best, you know, ownership over the best part of Mitzrayim. That is with the help of Yosef. We are able to do what we do because the Rebbe is being given the, assisted by the Friedrich Rebbe, Yosef, the Yosef of the generation. And we also have the Yigash Alav Yehuda, Mashiach, Shiava Bakar of Mamash, the David Avdi Nasi Lehem La'ilam, which comes with the help of Yosef of our generation, Kamaycha Kabarov, Parav Kedusha. And so, Therefore, we understand what we have to do with this in mind in our generation. Oops. Um, through this, that we act in a way of full power, don't be afraid, and we show in Yiddishkeit, in Yiddishkeit, and we show in Yiddishkeit this power in Balabashtishkeit as Yidden, we show that the world was created for Yidden to do mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. And Bishvil Yisrael Nivra Eilam. That brings to the matter of David HaMelech, Nasi Lahem La'elam. The David Avdi Nasi Lahem And so, to end off, 
This Indian of the Yiddishal of Yehuda, the power and the Balabatishkeit of Yidden over the world in this generation is also emphasized by the day of Hey Tevis, which um, comes out on Thursday, right? On uh, Thursday, Hey Tevis. It's connected with the Pidyon Shavuim of the Sfarim, of the Rebbeim, in a way that they achieve the um, uh, permission, the agreement of the nations in front of everybody. The federal government, Supreme Court, agreed to this. Hey, Tavis. And now we need our next Hey, Tavis of whatever Sfarim are left. <coughs> but there are still, the Rebbe says, some Sfarim, Ksav Yad Kaidish of the Friedrich Rebbe and of his father, the Rebbe Rashab, that are still in captivity in that country, and they have to come back. They have to be returned to 770, to their place. Even though there was already Pekudas HaMelech, um, there were efforts, and this has to come through now. And so we connected with <coughs> recent days, um, what happened then, this was 20, almost 30 years ago, that the capital city of that country of Russia, um, everything changed. The Iron Curtain fell, and excuse me, and everything changed. So that country that was holding on to Sarum, the the evil ruler, excuse me, the evil rulership ended almost 30 years ago. And so, what do we need to do to redeem the captive Sarum that are still left? And the answer is simple. Everyone, men, women, and children, bring into your houses, bring into your homes, Sifrei Kaidish, new Sfarim, um, words of Tyra, adding in Sfarim, create Bayas Malay Sfarim, add more Sfarim to your home. And today it's very easy to do it. You can order it. You can do it in many ways. And the explanation of the Sidarenu, why a safer has to cost money um, and why specifically it has to cost money is, is um, there's a, a certain kashiva to it. And um, here there's a footnote about the idea of the iron curtain falling. It's the opposite of the situation in the time of the Altarebbe. When the Alter Rebbe um, had to push for the victory of Russia against France, and in this generation, the Chiddush, that the, the country, and the Alter Rebbe had to push that France should be defeated, and in this generation, France is here to assist us and to be a source of light. <coughs> and so, <coughs> in the world, why does a safer? The Rebbeim has explained, have to cost money because in the world, which is a place of concealment, something that's important has to cost money. And so, whoever whoever participates in this acquiring Svarim and Heitavis is Bench, Harizim Meshubach, and we should take on Hachlatas to do this in every way possible, um, to order things in advance, etc., and also, it's a good thing in Minhag Yisrael to give Svarim as a present, including to small children for their simcha or, or for um, a yantif, 
Tirasan. Through this, that everyone will add in this Ba'ulas to require new Svarim. It will hasten the Poyal Vayiga Shalab Yehuda, the Pidyan Shavun of Binyamin, that he should be able to go, that he should be able to go back, and all the Svarim should go back to their rightful place. They, he should go home, and they should go home the Svarim to 770 Gematria Parasta and be added to the Svarim and the Ksavim or Rabbasim To take him Yad Mamish, should, it should bring the Pidyan Shavuim of all the Nitzitev Kedusha in the world and take him Yad Mamish, all Yidin, old, young sons, daughters, with their silver, their gold, etc. Where the Ebn Shasiyah finds itself without any change since the time of the creation of the world, the Kolzeh Tekub Miyad Mamish. Amen.